Welcome and thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today's sermon tackles the concept of connectivity. Being connected sounds like a good thing, right? First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun has some thoughts on that. We may not be as connected as we think we are. Here's Pastor Dan with the sermon, Hanai. So we continue our series on women of the Bible, and this is my fourth and last sermon on one of the most famous women in the Bible, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And our passage today uh, begins very sad, yet it points to something so important, and that is community. And today's scene is that Jesus, our Lord, our King of Kings, our majesty, as we have sung, has been unfairly arrested and then is crucified on a cross, and his mother witnesses it. And so please stand if you're able as I read our passage uh, from the Gospel of John. I know there's a lot of sit down, stand up, but you know, this is better than CrossFit because we're all fit for the cross because we're sinners. Bad joke. It'll probably be the last one. No, it won't be for this sermon. Okay, let me read this for us. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our story begins with a gut-wrenching scene. Mary watches her son die on a cross. And there's nothing more painful than for a parent to see her child die. And I know for some of you, this is your story. So bless you. For Mary, she is probably already a widow. Many believe her husband Joseph has already died. Now she stands there witnessing one of the worst things a parent can witness. Her son has been unfairly arrested and then tortured, and now she watches him die on a cross to which he has been nailed and has been hanging there for more than six hours. The moral injustice, the horror of, of of seeing a loved one suffering is way too much. But Jesus, wonderfully loving Jesus, before he passes out and dies, sees his mother beneath his cross and next to his disciple John and says to her, woman, here is your son. And then he says to John, John, here is your mother. And John is actually the author of the gospel passage we read today. And so it's a firsthand account. Jesus tells her that she would now have a new community. Mary would love John like her own son, and John would love Mary like his own mother. Throughout this series, we are looking at the women in the Bible and specifically looking at how they model grit and grace. How can one have grit in this world, a strength that is enduring, a muscularity that is marathon, a strong heart, especially in the midst of suffering? The answer is, it is to live in community, a community of grace and love and support. When we have pain, we need community, or we will not last. 
or we might endure, but we may not grow healthy. When we severely break an arm, if we don't put it in the proper cast, it will grow twisted or distorted. But with the right cast, it will heal straight and strong. In real life, when something breaks the arms of our souls, we need the cast of a community. For without community, our souls, our psyches, will in the end grow twisted and grotesque. Unless the wound is cleansed and made straight, we could even have gangrene in the limbs of our lives. But with a cast of community who supports us and with Christ, we have the best chance to grow in strength. Mary is at the cross, the point of her suffering, the zenith of her pain. And what do we find? She's in community. Who is with her? Now, when you read scholars on who was with Mary at the cross, the four Gospels kind of give different lists. But it is clear, while Mary needed help in the moment of her need, she was not alone. She was with her community. Mary Magdalene was there, who really knew Jesus as the one who cast out seven demons in her. And Mary Magdalene knew of Jesus' love and grace. So Mother Mary would have welcomed Mary Magdalene at her side, for she knew Mary of Magdala loved her son dearly. Mary's sister, a blood relative, was also there, part of the community. And yes, John the Apostle was there, who was now going to take care of her. And this would be her new community. So to take this from the 30,000-foot level and take a look at this, we need to know that when Jesus calls us to him, he calls us to a new community. To follow Jesus means to be in community. So whether as an extrovert or an introvert, we have a temptation in, in all of us to be a maverick. We want to be isolated. We may not want to know or be known by others. But to follow Jesus means we must live in community, and that means we have to give up being a maverick, give up isolation, give up that I can do all things on my own. The Bible uses, uh, in Greek, a a word for, for fellowship, and that is koinonia. It means fellowship with Christ and other believers. Notice it's a special community, not just with anyone, but with Christ and with those who love him. Especially when we're in pain, we need the cast of koinonia to go around our broken limbs of despair. People who love us and support us and pray for us. But what is true community? Let me start with what it is not. And here is where I'm going to get in trouble and you're going to think I'm meddling or messing with you. So I might as well start and step right into it. Connectivity is not community. Just because you're on Facebook or Instagram or you're text messaging all the time, that's not real community. You might have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but I guarantee they are not necessarily your real friends. A buddy of mine last Sunday called Facebook a highlight reel. We just share the highs of our life in the most ideal, fun fashion, but it's not real. It doesn't create real intimacy. It doesn't create depth of friendship. It's often fake. I mean, we know of couples who stage their happiness and intimacy and undying love for their spouse on Facebook, but their marriage is really in shambles and they're on their way to a divorce. Often Facebook is more about boasting or competing 
than to have depths of friendship. I have a friend who refuses to be on Facebook because she says she can't compete with the success and fun her friends apparently have. It makes her feel bad and sad. She can't afford to go to nice restaurants to munch on a filet mignon or have a picture of her special macho man or been to mucho places like Machu Picchu. Connectivity is not community. You are connected digitally, but you are not connected necessarily as true friends. There is a book that came out less than three years ago uh, called Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a Digital Age. It was given to me by a friend. Uh, Maybe he was trying to tell me something. It was written by a woman named Sherry Turkle, who is no dummy. She teaches at MIT as the founder and director of the MIT Initiative on Technology and Self. Great title. And she's professor of social studies of science and technology at MIT. She wrote a trilogy of three landmark studies on our relationship with the digital culture. As a psychologist, she has been studying for the last 30 years people's relationship with technology. And here's what she believes. Digital connections are leading to a decline in actual conversation. Community is being hurt. We are losing the skills that made community possible, like the ability to focus deeply, to think things through, to read emotions, and to empathize with others. These are things we need for deep friendship and community. And Turkle shouts to us in her research, there is no replacement for face-to-face conversation. And the last thing people often do before they go to sleep is they read their smartphone, and the first thing they do in waking up is to look at their phone. And I confess, I'm one of those. So I'm preaching to myself. It's a habit I need to break. I'm probably... I'd probably sleep better if I wasn't reading the apps of CNN or BBC or Wall Street Journal before I go to sleep. And it kills me when I'm at a restaurant and I watch parents, rather than talking to their kids, they give, it an, they give them an iPad or a phone to watch a movie or play a game. Conversation is dying. And yet there is growing discontent from children who are begging their parents to put down their phones at dinner or stop putting real conversation on hold to answer the phone. It's something I battle with. My adult kids say, Dad, cut it out. Turkle says we are turning to our phones instead of each other. She would say, and I love this phrase, she would say, quote, carve out sacred spaces for conversations for devices at the dinner table or the study or the lounge areas. Abandoning the myth that multitasking is good for us and instead do unitasking, meaning one thing at a time. Again, Facebook is not real. Facebook, in some ways, is fake book. Just because it says you have 500 friends doesn't mean you even have one true friend. Loneliness is on the rise. It's a way of poverty in our society, the poverty of real friends. On January 17, 2018, an amazing thing happened. The prime minister, or I should say the former prime minister of the United Kingdom, Theresa May, 
establish the first cross-government strategy to address loneliness in the workplace, in schools, and in the neighborhood. She established a new staff position in her cabinet called the Minister of Loneliness to help its society combat loneliness is startup funding, $27 million. She was dead serious about this. She said, quote, For far too many people, loneliness is a sad reality of modern life. I want to confront this challenge for our society and for all of us to take action to address the loneliness endured by the elderly, by carers, by those who have lost loved ones, people who have no one to talk to or share their thoughts and experiences. She said, quote, across our communities, there are people who can go for days, weeks, or even a month without seeing a friend or family member. That's why church is so helpful. The chief officer of AGE in the UK, which is uh, Britain's largest charity working with older people, he said, the problem of loneliness could kill. He said, loneliness, quote, it's proven to be worse for health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day, but it can be overcome and needn't be a factor in older people's lives. And here in the U.S., former Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, argued in the Harvard Business Review that loneliness needed addressing in the workplace, saying loneliness can be associated with, quote, a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression, and anxiety. They understand the problem. And what is one of the causes of loneliness? Research is showing a direct correlation between social media and the internet and loneliness. And the studies are showing that the more you use technology, the more lonely you will be. Instagram. Now, how many of you use Instagram? If this was a room full of youth, almost all the hands would go up. I mean, nine years ago, Instagram was launched by two guys in their 20s, Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger, just to help users download a photo-sharing app that would make their lives look beautiful. Within a year, more than 500,000 people were signing up each week. Just eight years later, they had more than one billion users. Now, there's a lot of good that comes with Instagram. Um, I use it, but I have a very small number of people I follow. But the dark side of social media is that studies of cyberbullying show that anywhere from 5% to as high as 72% of users get bullied. Now, to be fair, you know, as a former journalist, I asked, well, what is bullying? For the definition means different things to different people. But studies are showing concern as people do use social media to criticize people's looks, their intelligence, um, sexual orientation, your race, or whether you are hot or not sexually. I mean, you name it. On Instagram, do you know, there's something called hate pages, where someone can take a screenshot of someone's photo and then alter it and then reshare it and then mock someone in a group chat. Super cruel. But hey, don't be too hard on the youth for bullying without looking into the adult's backyard. Jesus says, always look at the log in your own eye before you criticize the, the speck in your brother's or sister's eye. Maybe we adults, whether parents or leaders, are not good examples 
I'm adults, whether leaders of countries on down, we are normalizing the public criticizing of people in ways that attack character and personhood. So we adults are not being the best models. So don't just blame young people. I mean, look at the president of the Philippines. Did you think I was talking about somebody else? I mean, look at what he is saying in the media about people. It's horrible. The president of the Philippines uh, Business Week says he uses Facebook as a weapon against his critics. In the July uh, 22 Time Magazine issue uh, this year, there's a huge six-page article on internet bullying and how Instagram is trying to figure out how to stop this bullying. Instagram saying it's going to lead the fight against online bullying because they know it's a problem. Now, I don't know if that's marketing on their part or they're really, really going to do this. But we need to, as Shirley Turkle's book title says, we have to reclaim conversation. We need to reclaim what it means to have real empathy face-to-face and not just online. And we need to experience the joy of being heard and understood. Maybe we're not made to keep in touch with so many people. Social media can make us a mile wide and an inch deep. Twitter is not a replacement for conversation. You've heard the phrase, stranger danger that we teach our kids when a stranger enters into their midst who might endanger them. Maybe we should be saying, stranger danger, when there's too much use of an iPad or a smartphone that endangers our conversation with one another. The stranger of the smartphone has invaded our families right in our home and friendships in a dangerous and often unchallenged way. Social media can kill the quality of our life. I say, get a life. Life is short. Put the phone down. And the fact that the computer enables us to get quick answers to our questions and follow our commands, some researchers say that kids expect that of their parents. They're they're getting um, groomed in that way. They want quick, concise answers exactly how they want it. And when they don't get it that way, they get irritated at people. They want their parents to be like Google search engines. Stranger danger. Another myth of community. As John Mark Mark Comer says, chemistry is not community. What? How can you say that, Dan? Because feelings come and go. Chemistry may not mean commitment. You may feel a real infatuated connection with someone due to a contact high of chemistry, but it may not be community. It's not about ideal chemistry. And that's why marriage is a surprise to some people. At some point, the real chemistry starts going down, and you have to compromise more and more, and yet love can grow. It's in compromise, patience, forgiveness that comes after chemistry that makes community grow. So what is community? Community is a committed people with common interests who live in a common area. Now, interesting that I had the last part. So they're committed to love and support. For an ongoing healthy community, I believe you are people committed to a common interest who live, notice, in a nearby common area who can have face-to-face conversations. So as Christians, your common interest is that you love Jesus Christ. And you may have Christian friends who live at 5,000, 10,000 miles away, but your community is the one with whom you live nearby. 
Yes, you can have friends far away, but if you only see them face-to-face once or twice a year, mainly just texting them, it's super hard for deeper friendship. You want to share experiences firsthand. A church can be real community for us. And notice a church shouldn't be based on one ethnicity or one political party nor in one socioeconomic status, but solely on Jesus. Real community means we are really different, but we get along. So I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, wrote. Uh, He wrote great books like Life Together, Cost of Discipleship, and he wrote this. The community of the saints is not an ideal community consisting of perfect and sinless men and women uh, where there is no need of further repentance. No, it's a community which proves that it is worthy of the gospel of forgiveness by constantly and sincerely proclaiming God's forgiveness. So think about it. Real community is a motley crew uh, made up of really different people. Think of the original 12 disciples whom Jesus called into community for three years. So several were fishermen, right? Peter, Andrew. Then there was Simon the Zealot. Now back then the Zealots were violent. They hated the government, would incite Jews against the government. So you got a guy in your group who may be packing something like a knife or something. And then there's Matthew the tax collector who worked for the government and ripped off his own Jewish people. So can you imagine how they greeted each other at breakfast? Hi, Matthew, you jerk-faced tax man, you enemy of our people. Oh, hi, Simon, you zealot, you murderer who kills people. And then there's Judas Iscariot, who's really into money. Hey, anybody got change for 30 pieces of silver? And then there was proud James and John, who were so into themselves, they wanted Jesus to appoint them to be the top humans of the world right after Jesus. And they were such mama boys, they asked their mother to ask Jesus for this. Who wants to be with these guys? But Jesus brought these diverse people together and they created a community, an ethos that would be based on, so that the early church community was founded on this description that we read in the book of Acts. This is how it ends up. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is incredible. They were such a unified, loving community that people on the outside of it favored them and wanted to get on the inside. They loved one another. They shared their property, their belongings. They were generous. And so as followers of a generous God, If we have his bloodline, then we should be a generous community. A real community is generous with others and welcoming. You know when a church has become more of a club than a community is when we don't like it when people sit in our seats. As if we have reserved seats for a show. Actually, after the last service, a woman came up and confessed, I'm so sorry, I just said that to the woman next to me when I sat down. 
for service. Like, somebody's in my seat. I can't believe it. So, so she repented right there. Um, we are more of a club than a community when we want a production and performance of a worship show than the presence of God. We're more like a club than a community when we want to be consumers and just watch rather than serve. It's what Dr. Scott Peck, the, famous, the late famous author uh, of The Road Less Traveled, Christian psychiatrist who practiced at Tripler Hospital, he once called this pseudo-community, that we're together a lot, but it's not real community. Especially as Americans, we can have this hyper-individualism and have pride in that. Okay, so now let me bring it all together um, with Mother Mary, our Bible passage, and you and me. When Jesus was dying, when he knew he had to get out these last words so important, he told his mother to get into community. Mom, there's John. He's going to take care of you. John, here's my mom. Take care of her. And this will be her new community along with Mary Magdalene and others. Now, there's several things that we can learn from this, from Mary. The first is, the Christian community is all about Hanai, adopting people into God's family. Mary was obviously suffering, grieving at the cross. Jesus' immediate words to her was, Mother, get into community. John, be that community. And in a sense, Hanai her, which is the Hawaiian word for adoption. Now, the concept of Hanai is an adoption that is today um, less formal than the legal way of the Western world. There's no paperwork. It can mean informally taking care of another, having them live with you, or treating that person as if they're part of your blood family. Though not legal, there is a strong bond with a Hanai child, often treated no differently than a biological child. Even though you're not blood-related, you are treated as if you are. So church is basically Jesus telling us to be hanaid into a community. Hence the title of this sermon. Think on this. We have two sacraments, right? Communion and baptism that Jesus affirmed or he started. Now think of this. They all point to the principle of hanai. Have you ever thought of sacraments as your entrance into being hanaid into a family that is not blood-related? So, next week, first of the month, um, when we take communion, the pastor will say, uh, in, in raising the cup, Jesus said, this is my blood, this is my bloodline, take this in remembrance of me. And so when we take the cup, in a sense, we then have the blood of Jesus in us. We will all have the same blood type as Jesus. And at that moment, we affirm we are all part of his family, and we are all then spiritually blood-related. We are all Hanan. We have all been adopted into God's family. And truly, we should be then calling each other uncle or auntie or tutu or tutukane or cousin, for we're all Hanai in God's family. We are all, as we sometimes say in Hawaii, Calabash cousins, that extended family that has grown together through having meals or experiences, close friendships. Okay, that's communion. Then in baptism, when a child is about to be baptized, the pastor, after leading the parents in a, in a vow, 
then always turns to the congregation and asks you all to take a solemn holy vow. And here she says, do you all promise to raise this child as if it's your own, to be God's disciple, obey his word, and show his love for all, and always to strengthen this child's ties to the household of faith. Your responsibility, do you. And at that moment, the child is a child of the covenant. We are promising. We're making a covenant. We're affirming God's promise that he or she is part of our family, and we are responsible for the child's spiritual uh, welfare and maturity. So like the Nigerian proverb, it takes a village, not just parents. It takes a village to raise a child. And at that moment, we have denied the child into the family of God, and we will treat that child as if it is our own. So when Jesus tells Mary to go under the care of John, he was saying, now at this very moment, real Christian community means, John, this is your Hanai mom. Mom, accept John as your Hanai son. Powerful lesson we can learn. When we are Hanai'd, We then have grit and grace because we stand with each other in community. And so it means, second, don't isolate yourself, especially if you're suffering like Mary. Get into community. Get with people with whom you can have face-to-face conversations, not through email or texting or Facebook or Instagram. Real koinonia, face-to-face fellowship, whether through a one-on-one coffee or through our ministry program, through church small groups or through Rooted, or Just Show Up, or Divorce Care, or uh, Grief Share. It's people together on a journey meeting regularly. These are all steps towards a Hanai experience. And when we're going through a tough time, being with people is super important. Be with people. Don't run. And then finally, I want to just say this. You know, last week we learned that after Mary lost Jesus... Mary was constantly in prayer. She hung out with John and her family and the other Christian leaders, including the apostles. And Mary was part of a a prayer foundation that then launched the new church. And I'm sure she got into serving others in this church and starting a movement from Jerusalem throughout the whole world. So my last point is this. I would say that for some in pain, after a while, God might use you to serve others. The students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, took the pain of their classmates being killed in school to start a gun reform movement in all of the United States. When Candace Leitner, who was a classmate of one of our members, lost her teenage daughter due to a drunk driver, later she started Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And now there's at least one MADD office in every state of the universe, uh, in the United States, and every province in Canada. Um, Nine years after my divorce, uh, I started a singles ministry in California, and in three years, more than 3,000 were involved in it. And I tried to teach them of how to be fulfilled as a single and how to choose the right spouse and or to receive strength as a widow or as a divorced person. And out of our pain and struggle, God will be asking you at some point to show grit 
and grace to serve others. So don't be surprised. Listen for his voice and timing to join others in service. Okay. So, let's close this off. There may be um, people here today who have, had a, who have a real heartache, and God wants to show you his tender love. And maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you are going through a scary medical concern. Maybe you're going through a depression. Maybe there's some tough financial issue, a time of estrangement, a hard time of forgiving or receiving forgiveness. But we're in this together, and I want us to support one another, especially in prayer. I want us to live in a community that the reality is that we're all not perfect, and we all need help, and we all need prayer. So this is community time. We're all Hanai brothers and sisters. So I'm going to ask if there's some here today who have experienced a loss or the a crossroads of a real dilemma. You're just going through a real tough issue. I'm going to ask you in a moment if you would just stand and I would like to pray for you and ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. We don't need to know what your issue is. You don't need to say anything. God knows. Um, but as you stand, I'm also going to ask two or three others who are near you to just pray for you. And they'll ask permission if they can put a hand on you. Um, we're not going to ask what the issue is. We're just going to silently pray because pray the Holy Spirit knows uh, what it is. And for the rest of you, if you're not near that person, if you could just stretch out a hand and pray for someone who's standing near you. And in that way, we're all participating. There are people who are going through some tough times right now. And so those of you who would like some prayer, if you could stand right now, and I would like to pray for you. Could you just stand? I know this is bold, but I think the Lord will have some, has some great plans for you. And as these wonderful people are standing, those who are nearby, could you like go to them and just put a hand on, ask them first if you could put a hand on their shoulder and pray for them as I pray. Hopefully nobody is by himself or herself over there. Okay. Everybody's taken care of. Okay. All right. Please join me in prayer. The rest of you can extend out a hand towards somebody near you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. These wonderful people are here with real concerns, and you knew that they would be here today, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon them in a very special way, ministering to them. You know their issue, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, flow through them and go right to the area of need. If it's something physical, I pray in the name of Jesus, bodies be healed. If it's something emotional, give them the wisdom and the strength to help them during this time. And now I ask all of us to please stand as we sing of this beautiful God and know that he is going to continue to minister to all of us, especially to those who have been standing. And just before the final blessing... I just want to encourage uh, all of you to always receive as much prayer as possible. And some of you who didn't decide to uh, stand up for, for prayer, if you want some prayer, uh, the prayer team would love to meet with you in front of the cross or in this corner. And then privately you can share your concerns and they would love to lift up whatever it is, if it's physical, spiritual, or emotional. But for all of you, I have a blessing. So please receive this benediction, this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. 
And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May you always be in community and know how much God loves you. In Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Real connectivity happens only within a community, a group of people who are personally and emotionally connected and at times breathing the same air. It's our hope that in this Christian community of First Prez, you'll find your deepest, most meaningful relationships. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Prez website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. If you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.